0: Thank you, Matt. Um, We do have an opportunity to hear God's word. Paul's charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy, You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work may the Lord bless that reading thank you
1: well good morning everyone great to see you this morning Uh, We're in the middle of a series and uh, we're looking at what it is to live for Jesus in uh, the world that we live in, uh, the water that we swim in. I don't know whether you know, but uh, every year the Oxford Dictionary puts out a word for the year. Uh, They decide what has been something that has been used the most or come to fruition or seems to have been really important for that year. So uh, the word of the year... Uh, A couple of times, back in 2013, it was selfie. Never heard of that before, did we, until recently? It was uh, selfie. That was the word of the year. Uh, Then, back in 2015, it wasn't even a word. It was an emoji. A crying emoji was the word of the year. Then this year, 2018, it's the word toxic. Everything's toxic. Uh, The world's toxic, politics is toxic, uh, you name it, it's all toxic. Uh, They do this every year, so every year there's a a new word. Now back in 2016, there was a word that I didn't know was the word of the year until I looked it up and saw it. It was post-truth. That was the word of the year in 2016, post-truth that we're actually in a period where we've gone past truth. This is the definition that they had for it, uh, post-truth, relating to our or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Post-truth. What is truth? Truth that's what we're going to be thinking about today. Uh, We're living in a world that we just said is in post-truth. You may not have realised it, you may not have thought about it and we're going to explore that a little bit uh, further in just a moment. Uh, But it's a great question, Is it what is truth? What is it? Uh, Is there such a thing as truth? Uh, How does it impact us? What is it? What is about it? Uh, How does it impact us now in a world that actually has post-truth as one of it's ideas. Well, that's what we've been thinking about, haven't we? We've been thinking about uh, how do we live in a world as a follower of Jesus, someone who's put their trust in Jesus, uh, who knows that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, and wants us to live for him. How do we live in this world around us? And we've been using that metaphor of the water that we swim in. Uh, The sea that we swim in, uh, the water that's around us, it's all about us. This world that we're part of, we're swimming in all the time and it impacts us and it has uh, impacts us, it changes us, it moves us, uh, waves hit us, the tide goes in, the tide goes out, uh, all those different things uh, hit us and so we've been thinking about that. We've been thinking about what does that look like for work, what does that look like uh, for last week which we looked at if can remember, because I've forgotten just off the top of my head. What were the things we looked at last week? Stuff. Uh, and we were looking at other things like that. We've been thinking about how does that all come together. And so this week we're looking at truth. Now what I'm going to do to start with is I'm going to give you a little bit of a history of how we've understood truth. A little bit of a history of the world. Very, very brief. Very, very short. But just to help you put it into context so you know where we are so that we understand how to live in the world that we live in. Uh, The medieval, so I haven't gone right back, but in medieval times from the 1600s backwards uh, to the time of Jesus or the Dark Ages, they might have called it in different stages, pretty much what happened then was God, uh, the divine, whoever you saw them as, gave the truth in their word and that was it. That was the way it worked. God had the truth. That was it. It was given to us from that perspective, and it was just passed on. And people lived under that. Now, you might say, "Well, it wasn't that great." Uh, if you want to live in the dark ages, it wasn't pretty. Okay, wasn't pretty at all. Uh, this is a good thing to keep in mind as we go through this. So, that is the medieval period came from on high. It was given to us. We lived under it. Uh, the modern age, which started in about the 1800s when technology hit. Uh, ships building, all those sorts of things started to happen. The Enlightenment was another thing that they called it back in those days. And uh, what happened then with truth? It came down to reason, it came down to testing. So reason and science told us what truth was. No longer did it come from on high. You actually had to put your brain in the gear. You questioned that. You thought about it you worked out whether this was true or not, you put in place the different things and you came up with a conclusion. So reason and science were king. Okay? In medieval time there was a universal truth, it was God's. In modern age there was a universal truth but you had to reason and by scientific method come up with it. Okay? And that period of time, the modern age came right up to about the 1980s. A long time, wasn't it? That's a long period of time to have that period going, right up to the 1980s. And if you were growing up like me in that period of time, pretty much, and we are at school, we are very much driven by the modern age in our thinking. We're very reason-driven. You've got to have this plus this equals that. If it doesn't, then it doesn't work. That's how we think, people our age or my age or older. Yeah, I know some of you are slightly younger, but not much, Matt. Uh, you know, it's in that period that we think, and we think along those lines. Uh, but we're not in that period anymore, though. That still impacts us because some of us grew up in that. Uh, the next one is the postmodern age, uh, and we're a little bit still in that to a degree. So the postmodern age says that there's no universal truth. Truth is how you see it. What might be true for you may not be true for me. Have you heard that saying? our culture says truth is relative and what is true for you may not be true for me that is such a common phrase isn't it today what is true for you may not be true for me so it's all relative there is no truth in one sense it's all relative you've got to work it out for yourself if you work it out then it's true for you now there's some good stuff in that isn't there too to think through it's about culture, isn't it? Postmodernism says culture determines truth. That's what trumps everything in, uh, in the postmodern era. And you'll see that in lots of different ways. And so you'll see that particularly in architecture. Now, even though the Sydney Opera House was built before the 1980s, it is a postmodern building. Okay, because so, culture determined that. It's about the waves, it's about the movement, it's about sitting into the the Sydney Harbour and being a p- focal point, a beautiful part of it. it just, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's really pretty. It's not just a box. It's not utilitarian. It's not just, let's put all the different rooms and make it work. This is culture. It looks great. So that's postmodern architecture. So remember with medieval, there's universal truth. Uh, in the modern area, there is universal truth, but you've got to test it. In postmodernism, there's no universal truth, Culture determines it, where you are. And that has been the predominant mindset of the world that we're living in today. But it's shifted even now to this post-truth. So in post-truth, they will actually agree that there is a universal truth. There can be universal truths in post-truth but actually your universal truth, these universal truths they're secondary to my feelings and my preference. Post-truth, the word of the year feelings have replaced facts. It's how you feel about it that's most important. It's what you prefer that's most important. Now think about this because if you've grown up in a Modern era, postmodernism was, we were really struggling with that. Post truth, we really struggle with that, but yet we're impacted by both of them and we make decisions on all of them and we're really confused. Uh, let me give you an example, a classic example of how this played out this year. Israel You Remember earlier this year, Israel Falau on Twitter. Was asked the Americans. He's a he's not a gridiron player. Sorry, he plays rugby union. So I know it's not quite the right sport, but you know, Israel Folau. Uh, the Australians will know what we're talking about. Uh, he this year got into huge strife, didn't he? Uh, he was asked on Twitter, "What does God say about gay people?" And his answer was that gay people go to hell, or will go to hell. Uh, is how he put it. Now. Probably wasn't the smartest way to phrase things, was it? At the time, uh, at that particular point, but Israel Folau was particularly working from a framework, wasn't he? He Was working from the framework that there's a truth statement that's been made in the Bible, uh, and that truth statement is: doesn't matter who you are, not particularly gay people or anything. If anyone who actually doesn't believe in trusting Jesus, well, they're where they're going to end up is not with God, which is hell. So he's on a truth statement thing. He's just gone from one thing to another. He's placed it and he's put it out there and he got into huge trouble, didn't he? People everywhere didn't like him. They were after him for all sorts of things. They wanted to take his contract off him. They wanted to boo him down. When he went onto the field, people would boo him all the time. Now, I think that's changed a little bit lately. It's not people have moved past that to a degree because of post-truth, though they've forgotten it. But no, you know, that was the sense that was going on. And people couldn't understand how he could say that because what people were hearing is not a statement of truth based on a universal truth or based on a transcendent truth or based on anything else. What they were hearing Israel Folau say was that Israel preferred that gay people went to hell. Do you see the difference? Do you see what people are hearing now? They're not hearing a statement about truth, they're hearing he prefers that. Now I would, can't speak for Israel Folau, but I would guarantee pretty much that Israel would prefer that all people went to heaven. That would be his preference. Okay? That would be our preference, that would be my preference. My preference is that, but he was working on truth statements, whereas everyone around us, is not working on that so we need to keep that in mind if you want to get into the public sphere of debate about things you've got to be hearing what other people are listening they're not hearing truth statements they're hearing preference they're hearing feelings this is what i feel about people who are gay this is what i feel about people who don't believe the same thing as me this is what i prefer for people who are not like me and that's terrible isn't it we don't want that that's not what we're saying and that's not what we believe uh, but we do want to hold on to truth. Because the other thing that's happened in our society is uh, we've lost that sense of a base truth and we've moved to the personal preference stage. That's what we prefer to be the case, that's what truth is. Because what your truth for you can be truth for you and what my truth can be truth for me. See how it's moved from postmodernism to post truth? And the big thing that's happened too, hasn't it, is the word tolerance. It's changed its meaning. Uh, If you hear the word tolerance in the paper today or on the news or whatever, what they're saying is not that you tolerate people but you've got to agree with them. Okay? That's not tolerance actually. Tolerance says, I may not agree with you but I still love you. You see the difference? And it confuses everything, doesn't it? So I could have a particular belief about something And just because I have a political belief about how something is supposed to be or a lifestyle or whatever, uh, that if I don't agree with that, then I've got hate or I'm a bigot or I'm a whatever. And that's not true, is it? Use the word true. Because that's not what tolerance is. Tolerance is that I will agree to disagree with you agreeably. That's what tolerance is. And tolerance means you can have a debate. But if tolerance means you have to agree, then you can't debate. And what happens is the discussion gets squashed because what happens is they go to feelings and emotions and then you're in trouble, aren't you? Because as soon as you move to them being your base, suddenly what happens is the person with the most power or with the most influence rules. Have a think about that. Because if preference and feeling and emotion are truth and are king, then the person who has the most influence will have the most power and will rule and people will be ostracised and dealt with and it'll be terrible. Because if you go back in history, that is where all the horrible regimes have come out of in the end. They, in the end, say, we're the ones who've got everything sorted and if you don't agree with you us, we will kill you. And you might say that's a very big slippery slide and it is a big slippery slide. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we need to be careful of that don't we? That's, and we need to remember that when we're talking to people. We need to clarify what we mean by tolerance. We need to clarify by what we mean by truth so that people don't hear that we're saying preference and people aren't hearing that we're saying we're just agreeing with them, but we are saying that we love you in all of that. Because what happens is, in this sense of understanding that a lot of us have got modernist views, some of us have got postmodern views, some of us have got post-truth views, and the world out there has got all those things, they're mixing up and we're trying to work out what truth is. And so what ends up, we just get lost and confused and baffled and people can get into arguments over stuff because they're not agreeing with each one another or they're confused about what they're saying or they don't understand what's going on. So it just goes crazy, doesn't it? And so our world is very, very confused. So today, when it comes to preference, you can make a decision about your own gender. Because I prefer to be female, or I prefer to be male. You can decide what nationality you are. I identify with, or I prefer to be. You can't argue with that. Now, in one sense, there's some good stuff in that, in a a sense that we need to realise that people do have different things going on in their brains and thinking through that. But we've got to realise that that isn't where truth lies. What is it? Where does the truth lie? If it's out here in preference and feeling and making it up ourselves or feeling whatever we want to do, then there's nothing to hold it. We lose that base. And so we can make decisions on anything. Whereas the Bible says that there is something better something that we can have as a base, a truth that we can hold on to that will enable us to make decisions in the water that we swim in with all those views around. And I want to say to you that none of those views are particularly more godly or ungodly than any view in one sense. So no, We don't want to sit back and say, oh, I'm from the modernist era, I'm a more godly thinker than other people. That's Pride. Because every one of those views are impacted by something called sin. So what's the truth? Well, as we read in our uh, Bible reading that Joan read to us in verse 15 and 16, let's have a look at what it says there. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the Bible, it's God's word. The holy scriptures have made you wise For salvation, they make you wise to who Jesus is. And then it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness, so that we are able to know how to make decisions that are out there, so that the servant of God, people who follow Jesus, may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Matt had all those books out there, all those different options, but the one that holds the truth is the Bible, because it comes from God who is truth reveals his truth through his word and through his son through Jesus and that then enables us to live so how do we know to live in the world that we swim in we need to come back to that that's where we hold it that's where we put our base that is our solid foundation uh, because in John fourteen seven, 7 that uh, Matt mentions as well Jesus, 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus himself is truth because Jesus is God here with us. The character of God is truth, and if Jesus is God with us, then he is true, and he is the truth. You see, God's character is true. He reveals his truth through through his word and through Jesus. They're the two things and those two things work together and they hold us in this confused world. So we can come back to that. You see, God says that there is universal truth and that universal truth is his word that is derived from his character and demonstrated perfectly in Jesus. That is a wonderful thing to hold on to. We don't have to be slip sliding around on what's out there at the moment and the different perceptions and the different thoughts and all that stuff. We've actually got a truth we can stand on and as we stand on that truth we can enter into the world that has all these different views of truth and relate and react to them and help people see this truth and so that helps them to understand how to live in the world around them. But as I said before, The big thing that impacts all those worldviews and impacts us is sin. That's the I part of it. It's us wanting to live life our way, not God's way. And so it impacts everything. So it puts a bit of a bias onto everything that comes our way. I've used this before, but the bowls ball, isn't it? It's a great ball. It doesn't go straight. Never goes straight, does it? Unless you roll it end on end and then it somehow goes straight. But the bowls ball has a bias to it and it always curves. It always goes in one direction it wants to go. If you get the bias wrong and you're on the rink, then you shout the club, I believe. But, you know, it changes, it takes it. And that's what the sin bias does to everybody and everybody's view. It takes us in the wrong direction. What we need to do is to get it back onto the right direction, to Jesus. And so we can actually look at the modernist view and we say, yes, there are some really good things about reason, science, the Bible doesn't say this, but it, it says it's good to be looking at those things and putting things together that way. And we can use reason and science to understand who God is too and understand the Bible. But reason and science is imperfect. It will not give you the complete answer. Postmodernism, we can say, well, actually, culture does impact how we understand things. The Bible even says culture impacts how we understand things and culture impacted how the Bible was written. And we need to understand that. It's not a bad thing, that sense and to understand how it operates for different people in different places. But it's impacted by sin. It's not going to be perfect. People aren't going to get it right. And the post-truth thing that our feelings and our emotions and our preferences, the Bible doesn't say they're, they're bad things. We do feel. We do have emotion. But it's impacted by sin. So you can't base your life on it. You can't base your life on if it feels good for you, then it's okay and not for me. You can't base your life on reason and science. You can only base your life on the truth, which isn't impacted by sin, which is God, His Word, and His Son. That's a great statement, isn't it? Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it will. It will set you free to be able to live in this world. It sets you free from sin and death so you can be in relationship with God forever. And it sets you free so that you can actually live for God forever. That's how good the freedom is. Because if you read the rest of John chapter 8, that truth is the truth of Jesus that sets you free. That's who I say I am, the song comes, that's where that verse comes from. So how do we take all that? How do we take all that and then live in the world around us, understanding the water that we're swimming in, understanding... Our truth is based on God's word and his son, Jesus. How do we do that in the world around us? Well, let me just give you a couple of uh, things that I think would be good. Uh, If you've seen our outline on the back, it goes, uh, truth, God and you. This is the you part as we think about how do we live this out? How do we do it? Uh, and the first thing that I think we want to do is we need to recognise that we're on the, an operating system, that everyone's working under an operating system. All these operating systems work, don't they, on computers, different ones? But if you try and put them all together, they're going to conflict. All right? They're going to crash. So we need to understand these other operating systems, but we need to realise there's one operating system that works the best, and that's God's operating system. And we want to promo that. We want to actually promote that the operating system of Christianity, of the gospel of Jesus, does work. And it's the best way to work. You see, when people, if you talk to them, even in this postmodern, post truth time, there are some things that they hold on to deeply, don't they? They hold on to justice, they hold on to mercy, they hold on to love, they hold on to equality. They hold on to this sense of these things that undergird everything. And where do they come from? The Bible, it's God, isn't it? They are transcendent values that people have. And if you don't have God in the picture, then where do they come from? Do they just fall out of the air? Do we somehow just make them up? No, no, that's what God says are the values that are so important. And that's what God says is the way that we are to live. And we need to help people see that they're actually transcendent, that they come from something outside of us. And if they come from outside of us, then there is a God who put that there. We haven't just made them up. That's what we have. If you don't have that, then you, there's no basis for any of those anyway, is there? If it's postmodernism, what's true for you is true for you. Well, oh, you know, equality. Well, it's true for you, it's not true for me. I don't care what you think. Post-truth, well, I feel that actually equality is not the most important thing. Actually, I feel justice isn't that important for me. See how it doesn't work? But people will hold on to this. And so we want to show them that if you hold on to these things, then it's got to come from somewhere other than you. It comes from God. We so say it's a great way to live it, isn't it? Because he showed us how to live. So we want to show that Christianity is the best way to live we want to live authentic lives because you see in this post-modern post-truth thing people are not convinced here and now by facts first and foremost science and reason sit in the background now what we feel and what we prefer and what we think and what we see are at the forefront so if people want to know how good christianity is how good jesus is then we need to show them by how we live it we need to live authentic lives that show that that demonstrate that that are real. People want to see that it lives out and it's worked out before they want to be told what's how they do it. It's a shift. If you come from the modernist view like me, we think you know the best way to convince people that Christianity is true, let's take them to the historical documents, let's work them through and show them that history shows you exactly that Jesus lived, uh, that every historian that's ever been has shown that he was around. I could do that. I was trained to do that, to take you through and show you, scientifically, by reason, that Jesus is true. I could do that and other people, if I say that to people who are in this post-modern, post-truth period, I say, oh, that's good for you. It's not true for me. I, I don't prefer that. I don't prefer Jesus. I prefer to live my life my way. See how it's changed? So authentic lives is what we need to be living, guys. We need to be living it to show that Jesus is the truth is the way, is the life in the way that we live. Look at what 1 Thessalonians 4-6 to say. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Now look what he says here. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so you became a model. So it's not something new really, people, is it? This is the way that they did it in the beginning. They lived it and they showed it, they imitated it, they modelled it. They showed just how great Jesus is by how they live their lives and people wanted to know about it. This is a guy called Abdu Murray. He's written a book uh, that if you want to look it up, it's really helpful. Uh, But he said this, uh, we need to demonstrate to our friends that the gospel is more imaginable and more beautiful than they realise. That's a great statement, isn't it? More imaginable, so it's more tangible. It's not just pie in the sky stuff. This is real. This is real life. And more beautiful than you can possibly imagine. We want to show that. So we do life with people. That's how we show that. We show it in the mess. We show, it in the, we show that our lives aren't perfect. We have dishwashing stuff on our, on our benches. You know, it's not all clean and tidy. We aren't all the perfect you know, beautiful looking, clean cut. No, it's messy. Life's messy, and it's good to let people into that mess because they see that actually this is where Jesus hits the road. This is where it makes a difference. It's in the mess of life. So we do life with people, because people say, "Don't no, I believe it when I see it?" You know, I believe it when I see it. Well, and when they see it in you. And we want to show that amongst us, don't we, too? Uh, Sam Chan has got, written another book and, uh, about evangelism and he talks about how uh, we need to break down the idea that these are just one-off things that actually, you know, some people that you get to know who don't know Jesus yet, they might be thinking, well, there's one person I know. But if you introduce them to more people who believe that, then they go, oh, strike it's not just that one weird friend that I have over there. There's lots of them out there. And actually, they're not as weird as I thought. They're not as strange as I thought. They're, they actually do life. They live life together. It's amazing, isn't it? As people get to see that it hits more and more people, You know, if you go out and say, oh, if I told you that I got this really big fish, you wouldn't believe me. And if I said We're with Matt Harper, you definitely wouldn't believe me. But if I went out and I caught this really big fish and I brought it back and then put it away, cut up, put it in the fridge and freezer. And I went and just told you that. You think, ah, oh, come on, you're exaggerating a bit, aren't you? But if I caught that big fish and I came in and there was like this whole crowd of people there. I'd say, wow, Paul, you're such a good fisherman. Look at that big fish that you caught. That is huge. You know, and there's 20 or 30 of them and they've all seen it. And then I go down the street and I tell people, I say, well, you go and talk to them. They saw it and talk to them, talk to them, talk to The more people that see it, the more you believe, isn't it? I know, Matt's still finding it hard to believe. I know, it's a miracle that I would catch such a big fish. But that's a sense, isn't it? The more that people see, if people who truly believe this, truly live it, the more that they think that it possibly could be true. What is truth? Well, God's character is truth. He's revealed his truth to us in his word and in Jesus. We can hold on to that. We can live by that. And we can go out and live that. And we want to live that by living lives that show how beautiful Jesus is. Beyond imagination. How great it is to live authentic lives in the mess that Jesus lives with us and enables us to live in that. And we want to do that as we live life together and show people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the one that is the truth, the one we can live on, the love one that we can live with, the one that lives with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning, Lord, and it's a pretty big topic, the whole area of truth, and we've touched on some pretty big thoughts and some pretty big concepts this morning, Lord. But we pray, Father, that as we sit in that, as we settle in that, that, Lord, by your Spirit, you'll do a work within us to be confirmed with us that you are the truth, that Jesus is the truth, that your word is the truth, and that's our solid foundation to live in the world that is totally confused about truth. Lord, Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to live that out. Help us to point people back to you so that they too, too can come to know and understand the truth And live it out, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.